0: You're listening to ASD Warrior, a podcast about the journey of getting your PhD and your child on the spectrum. With over a decade of success and challenges, it's time to share and support all of you ASD Warriors. Hosted by your always passionate and wildly intense ASD Warrior teacher, child advocate, and mom, Kathy Galbraith-Willoughby. On this episode of ASD Warrior, we're going to talk about building language. Yes, yes. Let's get them to communicate, to talk, whatever that looks like with our children and some of the resources that we could use in their everyday life, things that maybe we miss, things we need to pay attention to. You don't want to miss. I think when our kids at some point don't develop verbally, um, it's, it's a little bit of a sign. And, you know, for first-time parents... For those of us that had kids previous, you know, there's every kind of excuse we go to to kind of deal with the pediatrician saying, hey, you know, by now they should be doing this. And you're like, "Eh, you know, it's a third child. Oh, my husband's very quiet. You know, whatever that is that we're dealing with in some sort of um, way to cope with maybe what we kind of know is there, but we're regressing very intensely. And I think that building language, building communication is so critical for our relationship with our kids. And however that looks um, down the road, you know, the ability to let a parent and other people know how they're feeling, how they can communicate is critical. And. Some of the things that I think that I got caught up early on um, was, you know, oh, you know, he's just echoing. Like it's, you know, he's just repeating language. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not good. And the more and more I paid attention, I started to realize that some of those things that maybe would categorize and, and more kind of box check in that moment. the diagnosis and the impact it has on their ability to communicate. It also was kind of a gift, you know, in a way that we look at it and how we use it and how they're trying to communicate with us in a situation where it's not easy for them. Like it's not just clicking like it does for most of us air quotes, you know, of, you know, we kind of learn language by listening, observing and, and being intent when we're younger on, on connecting. And I do believe, even though I think some people say that they, they have a lack to connect, I think, or lack to want to connect, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think that it has more to do with the overstimulation and the inability in some ways to prioritize what's important in that moment for them to connect. It's like, I can't turn everything off and I don't know what to focus on. So that being said, I think language development and communication development is so critical As much as we can see what they're trying to use to connect and not necessarily box check it, but look at it differently. So I want to go back a little bit and kind of give you a little bit of a snapshot of, you know, my (laughs) inability in those moments, in those early moments with my son to see was, you know, up to a certain point, I think it was up to about 14 months and Nathan was saying consonants, saying words, um, his, I remember, I'll never forget his first sentence was turn on the light and he would point up to the light. So up to that point, you know, normal developing hit all the milestones was growing, you know, it means in the 90 percentile and height, weight, head size, you know, everything was good where we were hitting everything. And then the slow regression started, you know, that moment where it's hard to pinpoint or see But they used to be reactive, meaning they were intent, they saw, they were able to absorb um, and were in sometimes those moments of connection, right? And that reactiveness slowly turned into more of an introspective look. Some of us would have said about our kids that, oh, well, they just, they analyze everything. They're going to be like those researchers. They're just taking it all in. They're not committing to the situation. And, you know, again, we don't know. And, you know, myself having two previous children that were older and neurotypical kind of looked at, Okay, he's the baby. There's a seven year gap and an 11 year gap with my kids. So he's, you know, he's totally taken care of and all that kind of stuff. So not to digress too much, but it's we don't see sometimes what was maybe reactive initially and how brain prioritization and and overstimulation starts to get them to retreat, um, a little bit and, and overthink and analyze. But I I think in a lot of ways, it's just trying to prioritize the noise. And I think that there's sometimes that disconnect that happens. And, and that's when we kind of start to see those, um, regressive patterns. Um, and basically at that point, Nathan slowly lost his language. So of course you get the diagnosis, um, after, you know, Many things that you want to think of, oh, they can't hear, different things that are happening. And I said in a previous podcast, you know, the whole gut punch thing it was, you know, oh, it's not in his ears. It's up here and pointing to his brain that something wasn't working right. Right. And so then you're completely thrown into the diagnosis the acceptance of it the guilt that comes with it you know your child and their like the whole life plan that you've had in their head since the moment they appeared you know in your arms in the hospital bed is completely and totally changed and their sphere so when I talk about, you know, building language and kind of what I had to learn, um, and I'm one of those that I want to take it all in and I want to know the why about everything. Okay, so why are we doing this kind of therapy? Why is this important? Why in ABA are we focusing on this right now? What does it build to? Because I needed to understand not just, okay, they're in ABA and I'm going to go do the dishes. Things are moving. We've box checks. We're doing what we need to do. And I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not saying that in any other way. It's just how my, I work, Right. But it was really important for me to know the why, because it also was when I wanted them to redirect and and be a part of that conversation. And that also happened with speech. You know, we spent a lot of times with sounds and different things. And what I found is that he learned language visually, not auditorially. And it'll probably be something that I say a lot. And, And again, it goes back to me understanding what his biggest gap is It is auditory. It is building imagery and understanding from voice and auditory input and not having some place where he can go in his head. If I could, you know, create it, it's like I do a lot of front loading with him. Um, And if I know they're going to study acids and bases in science before he even gets in classroom and works with this teacher, we have watched YouTube's videos We have gone on to some of the different type of scholastic websites and we've looked at it. What does it mean? Let's talk about it. Do we have a visual of, in your head, what they're doing? And the reason why I say that is because it also was how we built language, okay? But it's kind of a little backwards in a sense. What I started to notice was he was echoing a lot. He was saying things that he heard on his shows, you know, and at first you're like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't good. Maybe this is something, you know, that I should kind of curtail or, you know, blah, blah, blah. You've got a lot of people, therapists, like, well, he's not really talking, he's echoing. Okay, great. So it doesn't count, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he's talking, you know, and, you know, for me, I was always like his biggest cheerleader. Like, yeah, and look at his facial expression when he says it. And then... You know, it was like trying to convince the therapists and, and, and educators that, you know, without their face kind of going, oh, Kathy, you know, let me explain this to you. <laughs> You're like, what? What? What does it mean? So I kind of was in disbelief and... Anyone that knows me knows that that's like a normal for me. Like, yeah, I need to understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. I value your opinion, but I certainly have my own. And it was really the start of getting my PhD in Nathan because I was like, I needed the input, right? I, I needed to talk to these professionals, but I also needed to understand why, what was, what was, you know, maybe not a good thing about something and then sit back and think about it myself, So I started to notice that he started to say a lot of things from the shows. He was watching the movies. He was watching, you know, um, he watched Wally a lot. And so I got a lot of him calling me Eva, you know, and it was his way of just connecting to me. Right. And so you kind of start, I started looking at it like, this is fun. I mean, and no probably surprise to anyone that's listened to other podcasts. I don't have a problem with, you know, playing dramatic roles or being really intense or fun um, about situations. That's how I approached it. I'm like, okay, he's echoing, but you know what? If he starts to use it right, well, then maybe that's the start of something. Maybe that's something I need to see in how he builds language. So I started to sit down and write some of the things that they would say, um, you know, on shows. The Backyardigans was a big one we watched. And, you know, there was a lot of song, which he loved music. There was a lot of kind of certain personality traits of certain characters. And so I started to really take note of, you know, what one character said when maybe they were scared. What one character would say when they were happy, or trying to be supportive of another character. I mean, really, you know, again, me taking it to the next level of really trying to give him a place where we start communicating. So we did. Right. So I started to say things like, Hey, good morning. How's it going? Same tone, same voice, and whatever character he was watching. And it was like, It was those moments, right? Where all of a sudden your kid like looks at you for a second, like, whoa, she gets me. And then, you know, it was fleeting, but it was a a moment where I'm like, okay, I got him. Right? So then it just became fun. And we started to see even more development. We started to see he was very, he's still very animated, but he was very animated. And it was fun because he was copying language. And that's why sometimes I fear so much about people going, oh, it's echoing. We should be excited because what they've done is they have taught themselves how to pick up language. Right. It's not auditory. It wasn't sitting with a therapist. It wasn't focused on my eyes, listen to my voice, which, again, that could be another whole podcast about how hard that is sometimes for these kids to you know, focus on one sense and not shut the other ones off. Like when they look away, it's not because they're not paying attention. They're listening with their ears, which is maybe the hardest thing that they do. We need to know these things about our kids. It is part of the PhD because this is where right now I'm at that point where I have figured him out to the point where I know he disconnects when I'm teaching him something and he's like, he doesn't get it. I draw a picture. I go where he has the gap. I know how to fill it because I know how he learns. And it all started with building language. Taking those little things and having fun with it, playing characters, running with them, using it when they're sitting down playing with their favorite toy and say something like somebody on, you know, Thomas would say, or on one of the Disney movies like WALL-E or, you know, whatever they're watching at that time. Start Using the same phrases. And I know sometimes we're so afraid of like the echoing. It's like, no, that makes sense. That's how they learn. That's how they hear is through their sight. If that makes sense, at least it is for Nathan. And I know it is probably for a lot of other kids. They're so visually dominant. And it is kind of, they're so visually dominant that it allows them to sometimes turn off the outside stimulus that's going on and, and, and the, the noise that Nathan refers to in his head, sometimes it has nothing to do with sound. So it's something to really grasp right now. And, and, you know, think about, you know, again, it's not that they're all going to speak, right. But they all can learn to talk from a standpoint of how they communicate with you. Right. Um, It's, it's pulling you in it's giving them confidence i mean it's i can't describe to you how he looked at me when it was like oh oh you get me right cuz i was said exactly what they said on the show with the same facial expression and then the other thing is to pause right we have to give them time to process we forget that sometimes that there is sometimes a processing delay and i think for Nathan, when he was younger, it was like, I don't know, five or six seconds, which you think, oh, it's no big deal. Have you ever tried to pause for five or six seconds sometimes and not speak? Difficult. And you feel like, did I not explain it right? So then you go into that, well, let me say something else, and blah, 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 blah. blah. And no, just pause and not say anything so that they kind of start to build that connection and that they also realize you're going to wait to give them time. It's a really wonderful thing when you can really, in a way, say, I'm going into your world again. So many times it's so important to say it's okay. Because I think our initial thing, when we get the diagnosis and we're flooded with, this is the kind of therapy we should do. And oh my gosh, this is what they're doing that puts them on the spectrum. And I think part of us, whether we want to admit it or not, all of us are kind of like, oh no, 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 no. No, that's not it. I, I need to work really hard so they don't exhibit these behaviors so that it's, they can't see it and it's really not there. And we can say, oh, we beat it and we cured it. And that was a big thing, obviously, when, when we had Nathan diagnosed was this is what you can do to inhibit this instead of going, this is how their brain works. Figure it out. It's beautiful. It's amazing, but it's also going to be hard for them. And we've got to teach them how to communicate with us and then coping strategies and then building confidence, and those are the things that I think you focus in on, right? Because all of that is again getting your PhD and your child. It allows you to understand when they're trying to learn something new, a new concept. Um, we're teaching poems right now in poetry. One of the hardest things that I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? You know, how do I find a YouTube video on this poem and Um, found that it was, you know, going to be different, you know, difficult to kind of create and I drew pictures for him. So he understood, you know, it, we were reading the sonnet 73 of Shakespeare and kind of what that meant and, and all those different things. And I drew a graph for him and we talked about life and how he was talking about the fall of his life and the winter is when we get close to dying. And, you know, that's hard, right? Conceptually. Um, and yet I know when I see his eyes do a certain thing, I'm like, okay, go to the pictures. What am I doing? Let's find something. Let's talk about this, talking about rhythm, all those different things. And I, and I don't mean to digress, but it, what you're doing now at any stage of development and acknowledgement and trying to connect with your child helps it every step along the way. It helps you see that gap and building language is a big thing. And, and all I'll say is don't get stuck on the echo laying. Because it is their way of communicating if that's what they're doing. If they are watching a show and they're repeating the same line over and over again, they're trying to, in a playful way, play with language. And they visually now can see it in their head and it makes them happy. You know, a lot of times we, <laughs> I see my kid still does this um, of what he has going on in his head after he's seen something and he can have a two-sided conversation with himself and it sounds brilliant. And he does tone and inflection and he's got characters going and, you know, it's fun. And it's just something that he does probably because he doesn't have as many friends. um, And maybe it's his way of just having, you know, those kind of things and he feels more confident, but I do notice that he's coming out and talking with my husband and I more and wanting to connect. And so it's building some confidence, hopefully, but you know, they go in their head a lot because they learn visually. They see things, they see language, they learn how to communicate. And I think that it's really important that we support that and we say it's okay. I said in another podcast, and I really, really meant this, is that we have to show them that as much as we want them to kind of come over to the world that we live in, so to speak, um, we have to say that theirs is okay and brilliant too. We can't just go, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, they're lining cars up again. Oh, is this normal? And, you know, I see that on a lot of the groups. And what's normal? You know, I mean, behaviorally speaking, my two other kids did some weird stuff and got into different things. And, you know, where I was like, what? Or, you know, just didn't do the air quotes normal thing. Right. And And yet we are so hypersensitive because of the diagnosis that we really sometimes spend too much time on that and just saying, "Okay, that's who they are. I need to get into that world. This is my kid and I need to say, it's okay that they're there, you know? And that took time for me too. You know, sometimes I hear you know, him talking to am like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And he's just like, nothing. And I was like, God, that's so mean of me. Why would, why would I make it sound ugly? You know, and that's just full underbelly from me. You know, we all go through that. And then I had to switch like, oh my gosh, I need to find, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, what? I'm like, well, it sounded interesting. Like, what, what are you talking about? you know, and then have him give me some input on that. And you see the smile come on his face and it's like almost like you just said it was okay. So going into their world saying that it's okay, then also being able to pull them into ours and finding that place in the middle where they thrive, right? And that they're open and um, accomplishing things that they need to, to propel their life, right? So take some time and look at what they're watching. Write down some of those things that are said in the show, sometimes that they really react to. Again, it's like you're, you're doing your own analysis, so to speak, on the cows. Turn on their favorite show and watch them. When do they get up and dance? What well, was said right before? You know, Maybe we use that to create energy and you guys have a dance party without the show on, right? Or record the music and don't put the thing on, you know, the show on. And again, you start saying, gosh, your world is great and I want to be a part of it it starts building connection and confidence and you start to see that maybe they start to communicate more maybe they start to feel safe cuz feeling safe is something that you know we have to do for all of our kids and especially our kids that all of a sudden get the diagnosis and they're going to school for early intervention they have aba at home You know, we've got speech teacher, we've got play teacher, whatever kind of teacher we've got, you know, going on at the time in our house and and at school and, and all the things that we get exposed to is that we want them to start to really build a foundation that they're okay and that we like where they go in their head and what they do and how they connect and how they love the world. Because let's be honest, a lot of times when they're in those spaces, they're so happy. I mean, I'd like to be that happy. I'd like to be able to watch a show, get up, jump up and down, and then, you know, say the different quotes and and go in my head in that quote space and and just be like all reliving that moment of joy and happy from that show. And they do that easily. We want to say that it's okay. And then also that we connect to them. But we're letting them set the tone. We're letting them show us the shows they want. We're letting them you know, tell us what they want to say. And you'll start to notice that as they build their language or ability to communicate, they really use that language and communication style appropriately. That's where I fought a little harder with the therapist and, you know, them saying, oh, it's just echoing. I said, yeah, but you know what? He says it appropriately. Like he says it right in the moment. And that's when I kind of knew like, hey, this is working. Like I got to keep connecting this way. Because they feel confident, right? I mean, take a step back for a second. They want to communicate. They're overstimulated in their head. It's hard to feel safe in a place that's just noisy, right? They're taking all of it in. They're having a hard time prioritizing. It's the disconnections that's happening. They, they don't understand things as fast because they've got to almost shut off half their brain to maybe listen to what you're saying. And then we're right there to keep talking, keep talking. You don't understand Want me to explain it to you, but, but slow down, give them just time. It's almost like I look at it like the brain connects and the, and the receivers in the brain connect and it establishes a, a road that they can use again, a process that they can relate to how they look at how they communicate in the world. We have to give them time to build it. It's just not happening as easily, I think. But it's, it's there. Because now that I have spent the time and said it was okay and communicated to him, you know, using things from Happy Feet and Wally and the Backyardigans and using it appropriately in language, it was a way that he just immediately connected. It was immediate eye contact. It was like, oh, I got you. I know what you're talking about because I've seen it. I've seen the language, I've seen the reaction, and I've seen when it was appropriate. And it starts to be a safe place. It starts to be your communication plan. And not to say that those things that we're doing in therapy aren't important. For sure they are. We're building compliance. We're building the structure, the discipline, um, the language and different things. But I think sometimes we forget how easy, how much easier it is when We can use visual and we can build language from a place that they already know that is already in their head. Because the biggest outcome that we get from that is confidence. And again, I will stress that more than anything in this podcast is that even though my son right now has almost straight A's, which is just, I sometimes have to pinch myself for how hard it's been up to this point. But it's because I get him. I know how to teach to him. I know when he disconnects. It's not really about the grades. Like I could really care less, right? It's about confidence. It's about how confident he is now. I mean, I'm going to give you an example and it makes me laugh so much because, you know, with this distance learning thing, I can hear all the classes and everything's on Zoom. And so the other day I find out from one of his teachers that he's decided that he is going to take over teaching. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he just kind of looks at me and laughs and he goes, you know, I let him get in there and start talking about things. And for the most part, because I front load him on this class, meaning that he already kind of has an idea before he gets on there, which again, is just such a confidence builder for him he really has a good idea of what they're talking about and answer the questions. The thing that it got funny about was um, when he started, you know, talking to other kids on the zoom meeting, like, Hey, listen, you need to put your cat down right now. We're focused. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, his teacher tells me this and he goes, he says, Kathy, I just, I wanted to laugh so hard. And yet I was so like pleased that he felt so confident, but you know, I, he, he told me he had to gently tell Nathan, like, Hey, yeah, thank you so much. But you know, I I got this, I got this, you know, I'm, I'm gonna step back in. And he's like, oh, okay, well, let me know when you need some help. Right. So you love the confidence. Now we're working on a little bit of the like, okay, let's what's let's, let's say what's appropriate here when you're not the teacher, but a blessing nonetheless that he has gotten to that place where he feels that confident. And it's through school and communication. And we're working on the, the maturity aspect of it, right? Um, and so we'll get there that's something that they definitely will catch up on and um and so it's it was something that you know spoke to me today and a couple of days ago about building language and one of the things that I I guess I was frustrated about in the beginning because it was as if they don't learn it the way that is supposed to be in air quotes learned then it's not right and again it was just me Joan of Arcing at that moment going, no, yeah, that's not going to, I can figure this out. And it wasn't with the intent of doing a podcast and all this kind of stuff, but it was finding him, right? It was connecting. It's that love. It's like, it's the frustration. It's the head to pillow at night. Sometimes that you're quietly crying, you know, and getting your pillow all wet because you're like, God, I just have to figure this out. And I don't know what to do. And I'm listening to all these professionals and some of it makes sense and some of it just doesn't, you know, it just didn't make sense. How can he be talking and echoing and, and doing the appropriate facial expression and doing it appropriately in situations and that not be something, that it not be great, that it should have derailed whatever way we were going. And it certainly did for me and how I handled it, but I didn't, you know, put my foot down in, in the therapy that was going on because at the time too, I was still like, well, maybe I'm not right, you know, but I'm just going to try my own thing and see what happens. And it did work. It did work for him. Now this isn't plug and play. and, And I'll say that over and over and over again. And I know all of us know that the diagnosis is not plug and play. Our kids are differently affected. Hence why you need to get a PhD in your child why you need to know them better than anybody else, why you need to try different things, why you need to see. See them, not the diagnosis. See them. Connect to them. Say their world is amazing and great and join them. And figure out how to build confidence through knowledge, through connection, so that they can, in their way, communicate feel a part of, but at the end of the day, feel good about themselves. It's toolbox time on ASD Warrior. So for this ASD toolbox, I want to focus on their language. How do they communicate? What are they watching? What are those things that you need to connect to? to figure out how to connect to them, to say it's okay to build that safe place, to give them confidence in what they say, what they do and how they convey it to you through communication, devices, talking, whatever that may be. So the challenge is identify those shows that they watch, identify that, that energy change, the connection, how happy and joyful they feel and write down some of the ways that those shows communicate, some of the characters they have, start building that language that they already know and use it with them. See the connection. See if they look at you like, whoa, what just happened, right? My mom or dad knows what's happening with me, knows how to communicate. You know, maybe they can see what I see in my head. Whatever the case may be, you're going to see light and a connection. It may be for a split second. But it's going to change their ability to connect with you, communicate, and more importantly, their confidence in saying that I like where you're where you're going. I like what you watch and I, lo- I want to say those things, too, and have fun and really show them that you're there for them. And it's also a way for you to start to identify that gap again, building that Ph.D. in your child, seeing what you need to see. And connecting to them like nobody else can. So until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to ASD Warrior. For more information and resources, please connect with us at asdwarrior.com. Subscribe and become a member of the ASD Warrior Village. Together, we can do more.